0: You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. Over the last three days now going into day four, we've experienced devastating fires in the two major cities in South Africa, Johannesburg and Cape Town. To make sense of it all, we're chatting to Bevan Wolfe today. Bevan is a specialist in the field of firefighting and fire prevention and presented a paper at the IFE South Africa Conference on the Bank of Lisbon Fire in Johannesburg, they claimed the lives of three firefighters in 2018. Bevan,
1: welcome to the show. Thank you, Sade. Good morning.
0: Bevan, let's start off with these two fires that, uh, that have been experienced. The, the, the fire in Johannesburg that started on Friday and of course this massive fire in Cape Town. We've seen two types of responses to these fires. Are we seeing a tale of two cities? Do we see a difference in the responses to these two fires? For the respective municipalities, uh, Chad,
1: I I believe that yes, in in terms of the Western Cape, um, they have a more consolidated approach, and they deal with their fires um, specifically the wildland fires that they encounter on Table Mountain in the nature reserve, and uh, inland as well. They deal with them as a collective. They have a very strong support base with the, the Boston disaster management of the Western Cape, and that lends to support that enables them to have a, a, a larger and a more comprehensive uh, response as well. And conversely in Johannesburg? In Johannesburg, unfortunately, we still have uh, each of the municipalities still operate autonomously. They do have memorandums of understanding and uh, for assistance. So we saw that at a later stage they were assisted by the provincial response from other fire brigades and we also saw that there is a private fire brigade that is very active in the area at the moment that assisted. Of course, everything that I see is what we get from the
0: media. And if we look at the situation... As somebody who's a fire expert in reading what you've, what you've you've had exposure to and chatting to fellow professionals in the industry, was the fire at the Johannesburg Gen, the Charlotte Peracca Academic Hospital, was it fought in the way that should have been fought? And was the necessary prevention in place to prevent it from escalating the way it did? And I hope that's not a loaded
1: question. Yes, I I, I obviously cannot directly answer that without all the information and and until thorough investigation has been done and all data is available. But certainly from what I saw, there are questions to be asked. And those questions revolve around uh, the fact that, yes, there there was apparently a uh, shortage of water and a deficiency in their uh, firefighting reticulation system in terms of damaged hydrants and so forth for low pressure, as it was stated by, once again, a specific uh, person. But at the same time, they, they had the entire day to sort out those issues and to obviously run out supply lines from street hydrants, etc., which did not appear to be done. Also, earlier in the day, it was reported that the fire was contained, which is a, a term that we normally don't use. Um, there was even an indication that in terms of normal fire terminology, the fire had got to a stage of fire stop. But later on, there was a re-ignition, according to the reports, and uh, certainly a contained fire doesn't reignite. It would be a fire that is contained in the burning phase whilst If it had been a fire that had been stopped, it may have reignited. That information needs to be assessed as to the efficiency and the effectiveness of the initial firefighting and then what led to a fire that was out of control later in the day to the extent that it burned for long enough to cause structural damage and to then prevent uh, internal or interior firefighting and intervention which is an issue that needs to be
0: interrogated. So, Bevan, as a resident of the city of Johannesburg, and most of our listeners being residents of the city of Johannesburg, we've been receiving mixed messages from council, as well as private operators, insurance companies, and people that have been looking very closely at the situation revolving around the so-called Red Fleet, South Africa, uh, Johannesburg, rather's capacity to fight fires, the amount of fire engines that are on the road, etc. I think the greatest concern for Johannesburg residents right now is whether the city is capable of fighting a major fire as the city of Johannesburg, not with all the support mechanisms of neighboring uh, municipalities, private organizations, etc. So I want to take you back to the report that you did or the paper that you presented on the Bank of Lisbon fire um, in the city of Johannesburg that claimed the life of three firefighters in 2018. What were you able to establish when researching that paper that you presented at the IFE conference?
1: Chad, once, once again, that was based on the information that was weaned from the media and, uh, from what was available, freely available to all. And the, the response to that fire, was uh, markedly different to the response that we appear to be seeing to fires at the moment. And th- the ongoing reports that we get regarding fires as they are uh, in in the Johannesburg area is that we have a very depleted response and that has been admitted. And unfortunately, uh, if we were to measure it against any, any response standard, it probably would not meet that which is the requirement or the minimum requirements. So it, it is a major concern to us residents that we do not have a possibly a adequate, but that would have to be measured against the standard like SANS 10090 and also not being a mandatory standard, it would then be measured against what the Johannesburg a municipality has uh, indeed adopted in their uh, integrated development plan as to what they would provide as protection for the community. So there's quite a bit of research and quite a bit of uh, investigation that needs to be done to come to that specific answer. But certainly we do have concerns. One of them revolves around the ongoing lack of water in Johannesburg, so we've had an incident where there was water available, but the interior or internal reticulation system was malfunctioning. But if we take the consistent uh, situation we've had in the southern and the western areas of Johannesburg, where we've had no water for weeks on end because the reservoirs have run out of water and because the pump stations are not functioning, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, that simply makes it more of an issue that if a fire engine arrives on scene, they will not have water to fight the fire anyway other than the 2,000 or so litres of water they have in their tanks. So I think something
0: that stood out for me and and many of our listeners is the fact that there's reports that couplings to hydrants, etc., had been stolen or removed from hydrants at the Charlotte Dekker Hospital. Now, whether or not that's a fact, or conjecture needs to come out in the investigation. But an important question that I need to ask you is, when you're talking about a building the size of the hospital that has got so, so much safety requirements needed because of the amount of employees and the amount of patients, would the fire inspection of such a building be left to internal safety officials that work for the, the departments of Health, Or is there a mandatory requirement that the Johannesburg Fire or emergency services would have a department that would go out and inspect such a building to ensure that they comply with regulations?
1: Right. That's a a double uh, answer there, Ted. The responsibility always resides with the owner and with the, specifically in terms of our legislation, it would be with the... um, the CEO or whoever's the responsible person, uh, for that organization. So uh, that, that is a issue that needs to be once again investigated. It's not the first Department of Health building that there has been deficiencies. The, the other building also had reported deficiencies. So that's the first issue. And yes, it is good practice and, um, if one once again follows the guidance that we get in SANS 10090, the local authority or the metropolitan municipality should be um, certainly visiting key uh, points and should be visiting these types of high risk uh, premises and doing inspections which reside in uh, the e category of uh, uh, of risk in terms of the community protection
0: standard so so help me to understand we always talk about if there's a nightclub or a restaurant there has to be a diagram there has to be a sign off before a a nightclub or a restaurant or a bars issued a license i think the same applies to hotels or to residences would the same apply in respect of a government institution? Do they need to have a plan signed off? And how often would this be inspected? And I know you say the owners rest with them, and I don't know if that's in terms of the OSH Act or, or related legislation. But when you see something as serious as a hospital ablaze, one has to think that there should be a parallel authority to be able to ensure that the hospital isn't policing itself when it comes to safety standards so help us to understand is 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 a license to operate in and in a fire plan only submitted right in the beginning or is it an
1: ongoing process that gets inspected yes in terms of our national building regulations and national and building standards act 103 of 1977 then there's a process that is followed that revolves around the design and the erection and then the signing off in terms of an occupancy certificate being issued. So very basically, yes, it does land up in a situation where it's been constructed and it's been designed in accordance with the regulations and or the the legislation, and it's been signed off. Um, in terms of trading licenses, that's a municipal function uh, for restaurants and for takeaway shops and for nightclubs and so forth. That, that is a licensing process that may or may not be necessary in terms of the local authority bylaws and is uh, part of the bylaws of Johannesburg. But uh, hospitals should still be inspected by the fire service or by the local authority uh, on an ongoing basis, as I said, in terms of a guidance, good guidance standard, and that is stands 10090 because of it being a high-risk occupancy.
0: So, Be we're learning a lot from you today, and it, it, it really is necessary for us as residents to understand whether or not we're facing a crisis at present. And judging by what you've said and what we've read in the media, there may very well be a crisis. And, in fact, the city of Johannesburg residents believe that they may be misled, not just by the current leadership of of our metro, but by the previous leadership and the leadership before that. So can I ask you outright, in your opinion, is there a problem with the Red Fleet in the city of Johannesburg?
1: From the numbers that we read in the media – and from the, uh, the re- most recent photographs that I see of the new fleet, we certainly do have a, a, a problem. And if we were to measure the amount of appliances that were declared operational and in existence in Johannesburg, it certainly does not meet the requirements in terms of weight and speed to respond to a community fire in terms of our guidance standard or even a lesser standard if we were to, to to reduce that our response is still not acceptable this is very disconcerting is it an issue of
0: training is it a tra- is it an issue of capacity is it budget can we lay the blame at the door of corruption like what happens so often in the south african narrative or is it a combination of this
1: once again, we would have to—that would have to be investigated in depth, and that would have to be based on uh, data that is provided before we can make uh, any of those assertions. Because uh, yes, it's, it's, it's something that obviously we could uh, make allegations that are not 100% correct. Uh, but I think it's a combination of many of what you did say, Devin, If
0: in a perfect world and if we had the budget we had the infrastructure what should johannesburg have right now compared to 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 the reality of the number of appliances and personnel
1: i would not without going and and actually measuring and doing the necessary calculus be able to give you an exact number but if we go back to what johannesburg uh, generally had we had a fire engine at least one response at each fire station which is not the case anymore and i'm speaking about a in in many instances the fire stations had a first response and a standby and that that would then cover a specific area in terms of reaching the furthest point within a specific period of time which is We've got guidance in in SANS 10090, but certainly that 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 is not set in stone. And but certainly the uh, the authority needs to do the necessary measurements and say from this point, I would be able to reach an incident within X amount of minutes, and that would be with a major pump,er and that would be with a crew of five. And that is how it is measured. So a fire engine responding from possibly Rudapurt to go to Randburg is way outside of that response time. And certainly your appliance may not even be suitable in terms of its pumping capacity, etc., in some instances. it's It's definitely
0: cause for concern, especially when one sees how something that should have been contained, and again, there can't be conjecture or supposition in respect of the hospital fire, was not contained, and the fact that so much support had to come in from the airport, from neighbouring municipalities, as well as from the private sector. We're chatting to Bevan Wolf, a firefighting and fire prevention expert. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to chat more about um, Bevan's organisation, ACUSHIRC you 're listening to the confidential brief with Chad thomas on high Fm you 're listening to confidential brief live on one hundred one point nine fm in Johannesburg and broadcasting worldwide on highfm dot com today we 're chatting to Bevan Wolf about the very important subject of fire, and this is a view of what 's been happening in Johannesburg and Cape Town the last couple of days with a fire at the primary Johannesburg hospital over the weekend, and of course the ongoing fire on the slopes of Table Mountain at UCT rondebosch um in Cape Town. And one thing that's come, become very clear with regards to both fires is that there is a massive need for A, volunteers, but B, we've identified and seen that the private sector is taking more and more of an active role in lending support, if not fighting fires themselves, and this takes us to the organisation that Bevan has, which provides training, safety, etc. Bevan, tell us a little bit about Acushirk and how the the the, the industry's changed over the years, with more and more organisations taking more and more responsibility, not just for fire prevention but also firefighting.
1: Right, uh, Ted, we are a small company a but uh, we do contract to other organizations for instance uh, we do training for the institution of fire engineers on behalf of the institution of fire engineers uh, in addition to that we do a very diverse range of consulting work regarding fire protection fire safety in general and we we do training from the lowest level to the highest level in the fire uh, industry. And so we we are also involved in, uh, as with um, contractors who contract to us, in other shirk matters, but uh, I myself, I specialize in the fire component thereof.
0: And is there a move towards organizations not just in terms of legislation being responsible for the fire prevention aspect, but is there a move now for organizations to implement a reactive firefighting component within their organizations?
1: It is something that when we are involved with organizations, we would certainly advise them to improve and to enhance their internal capacity to deal with incipient fires and to have a response, internal response, in the early stages so that they can either control the fire or they can deal with the fire while they are waiting the external response. And in many areas in South Africa, that external response comes from several towns away. So if you go to the remote areas in uh, our more uh, sparsely populated Provinces, you will find that some of the towns do not have a response at all, and yet they've got large industrial premises and agricultural premises. There, we would definitely um, encourage them to have a suitably trained and these uh, trained uh, response is to the extent that they can at least deal with a early stage fire, incipient fire, on their premises. So over the years, we've seen the
0: privatization of policing with regards to reactive security through armed response and tactical. We've seen a massive privatization over the years in respect of ambulance and medical transfers. Are we going to see something similar when it comes to fire? Or is it just too complicated in terms of equipment, training and legislation?
1: Over the years, we've actually seen the development of um, a lot of organizations are. afraid to and quite rightly so because of the implications to uh, develop designated services in terms of the legislation but certainly they have occupational fire response within their premises which includes a fire engine which includes breathing apparatus which includes specialized equipment like foam making equipment and so forth so that they can deal with the fires that are expected to occur on their premises so your your larger corporations have taken that measure uh, already, and there, there are many examples, I'm, I'm not going to name them today, but there are many examples where indeed the internal response uh, outweighs that of the local authority in whose area they reside. Are we
0: seeing an increase in capacity with regards to First respond of firefighting with regards to security companies, seeing that they're so prevalent on the ground.
1: Security companies haven't specifically taken up that role. Um, in total, they do. They do as uh, security companies have involved themselves in the response to motor vehicle accidents and so forth. So they carry extinguishers and so forth. They do to a smaller degree, but they haven't actually um, taken up that role. And I have not done an in-depth study of the, the private brigades that are now operating within our municipal areas, or our larger metropolitan municipal areas, but I have seen some evidence of that growing. But that doesn't come from the security industry as such.
0: And tell us a little bit about the annual competition that AccuShirk holds. It was initially guns and hoses that involved the security companies. But this year you've you've put a twist on your on your competition because of COVID.
1: Yes, Chad, uh, we have now renamed it. I believe it's hoses and runny noses or something. <laughs> uh, I, I I believe that is so, and we are going to be uh, having that competition on the fourth of May, and we are in the process of finalizing the competitors, and uh, we have already seen a marked growth in the participant numbers this year. So we're looking forward to a a larger and a a very successful competition this year.
0: And in closing, as residents of a city that have experienced a fire on their doorstep at a landmark that is so well known to them all and a place that provides primary health care, do you think that this will be a wake-up call for the powers that be that we really need to start instituting the necessary changes to make sure that our city is capacitated to fight these type of fires?
1: Chad, I hope so, and deep down in my heart, I certainly I hope that that is the case. But from previous uh, occurrences where we've had a few of uh, these types of incidents in the last decade, um, and very little has been done, to change the situation, if anything at all. So um, I I worry that it is not going to happen. There's going to be investigations. There's going to be a lot of talk, and then everything will once again go back to being as normal, and everything will be forgotten until the next incident. We can only hope that people can learn from
0: this experience, because it's devastating when one sees a place that's there for primary health care in such danger, especially at a time of a pandemic where there are so many more patients that need to be attended to. Bevan, I want to thank you for joining us today. It, It was really interesting hearing your insight, especially in respect of the legislation and, more importantly, where responsibility lies when one sees a disaster such as we've experienced in Johannesburg over the weekend. I look forward to reporting on your competition I look forward to chatting to you again soon. Thank you, Ted. Thank you very much.